Well, hi there, and welcome to my podcast where I invite you to run with me after memories and shape them into stories. On this show, I'll also share samples of my writing and interesting moments from everyday life. I'm your host, Ruru Sig, and you're listening to my podcast, The Story Chaser. Welcome back, folks, to Season 2, Episode 4, Part 2, Lots of Titles, could get confusing, especially if you haven't listened to part one. So please do listen to part one before you continue tonight. And uh, before I jump into it, I wanted to give you um, a little sentence that my sister Karen always says, and it's very helpful. It is, you are always exactly where you're supposed to be at all times, even in the rough times. So uh, sort of the overall theme of Tonight's part two, and I'm going to get right into it. Well, first, I'm going to share some snippets from part one to help you recap and remember what went on, and then we'll go right into the episode. He removed his hat, held it close to his chest while looking at me and said, You are exactly who you say you are, and don't forget it, little lady. Mouth, I penned with great fervor, Dear Mr. Hoffman, Please make me an actress because I think I would be good at it. I love your movies and I have some ideas for new ones too. Am I right, guys? One-on-one chats with a teacher would be a regular occurrence I had accepted as the fate of a horrible student. But this was different. Meanwhile, Dustin Hoffman had continued to make films without me. I announced to my family that I was ready to act in films. And my was left, standing with one foot braced against a make-believe barn. I tilted my straw hat down, outlining the silhouette of a dreamer facing a hard reality. Eventually, I found myself sitting upon a plastic haystack inside the barn, staring out a window with no glass, mouthing the words to a now-memorized movie trailer. I banged my head on the V-shaped arch when standing up, forgetting the low ceiling, and I threw my straw hat straight down on the ground and shouted to no one, Does someone mind telling me just where the hell Dustin Hoffman is? I was losing ground fast. During productions, I was carrying a character with me. My script had a place in my apron, and I would read my lines between waiting on tables. It was a way of disappearing here and there and visiting a friend. An afterlife beyond the restaurant. See, there is this grieving period when a show closes. The flowers begin to wilt, and with that comes a day where I would pick up my creased and stained script off the table or floor and tuck it away in a box with the others. Brushing my teeth and buttoning my waitress in uniform felt just like it was. I was a waitress, going to work then. It was a silence in my heart and hope. And unfortunately, I was attending less and less auditions into my 30s as monetary responsibilities became more relevant, and I needed to work where I was paid Things like eviction threats stamped a cruel reality on it all. And thankfully, I was studying and feeding my passion for writing at this point. 
I would escape into my world of words after a shift, but a part of me was reluctantly growing away from acting on stage and camera. It was during this lull of performance that I finally received a break, and like most in life, it came when I wasn't looking for it. It all began with my sister Karen, a quick explanation of her creative, charismatic place in this universe. Karen is the type of person who will go to get a beverage at a concert and return with the lead singer. She has a magnetism to her that draws super cool experiences and people. So it was no surprise that when she invited me to Los Angeles for a camera exposition, we ended up invited to an after party with Hollywood producers. And it was at that party that I met a friend called Ian, a producer of independent films. Ian gave me golden advice pertaining to the business. Always talk about what you love to do because you never know who's listening. And this bit would play a huge part in addition to Karen's insistence on good film watching to my big break. My sister Karen had insisted, no, she downright demanded that I watch a film that was streaming called Mortified Nation. So to be honest, as I write this, I realize my big break is really owed to her and not my giant mouth. So she asked me every day for weeks if I had watched the film yet. And when I hadn't, she would say, disappointed, what are you, the biggest dumb dumb in the world? She continued with love, though. I'm trying to tell you this one was made for you. Watch it tonight. No excuses. You are a winner. And she finally beat it into my head enough. I got all set up with a snack and pressed play unknowingly to my destiny. The film is absolutely perfectly inspiring to anyone who writes, performs, shoot, anyone who lives. It's such a brilliant concept. And here I go again, because once I get started talking about it, I cannot stop. And that's what happened the first time I saw it. I told everyone. The guy counting my coins behind the glass at the gas station. Okay, so these people dig up their old journals and letters. The woman waving the wand over my library books. And they pick out pieces for them to write one piece. The police officer considering letting me off the hook for a speeding ticket. And then they get up on stage and they read the piece. Babies in cribs. And these stories are so funny, heartwarming, tragic, embarrassing. I would talk to anyone and everyone who was in front of me. But most important, they relate to every person and help us take a break and remember we are not alone in this world. I was always talking about this film because I loved it. I talked myself into an amazing moment. And true to a cliche, it was a dark and stormy night. It really was. The night my big break came. The sky was crying. It was the kind of rain that jumped back upward from the ground, making it hard to believe it actually fell in the first place. This storm filled the world outside, but emptied our chance of a full restaurant. The few customers I had early on ate quickly and left to beat the weather, leaving me with none. My friend Betsy was bartending, and she had one patron, a regular called Jim. Besides him, 
We had only the television to keep our minds occupied. Every sugar and salt shaker was filled to the rim, the table spotless, ketchup lids good and clear. I was running out of ways to distract from the boredom. I resorted to pulling the top of my underpants out and tucking my waitressing shirt into them, exposing the flowered pattern to look like an ensemble error. Then I reached up high to nothing on a shelf and pretended to struggle. Jim and Betsy bellowed in laughter, and that bought us about five minutes of distraction from the bleak reality that the empty restaurant would be open for three more hours and my bills would not be paid. But at least we laughed, right? Just then, two women came in, shaking the rain from their clothing. I quickly fixed myself, placing my shirt back over my undergarments, tucked it in, and grabbed two menus. One gal, at a normal pace, walked to a table along the wall opposite of the bar. The other, a tall woman, walking unevenly due to a now-soaked air cast on her foot. Her black bob haircut dripped down her lowered head till she reached the table. Then she looked up at me. And it was surprising to see a face carrying so much light. And that's the best way I could describe her. Her eyes were alive with experiences both had and to be had. Her smile reassured herself and us waiting for her that a break from the storm would be welcomed as she sat in a wooden booth. Get yourselves all settled in and I'll grab you guys a couple of drinks from the bar. They both ordered martinis. I stood at the bar while Betsy finished pouring Jim another beer, then tore my new ticket off the printer and reached for her martini shaker. See any good movies lately? Jim asked me. Just being friendly, having no idea what can he just opened. Have I? Have I? I said with my whole body, arms up, voice carrying without any competition of a noisy restaurant. I began my enthusiastic rundown of Mortified Nation. I continued on and on while he sipped his beer. Betsy was more engaged and jotted the title on a cocktail napkin. Then she put her pen down and looked over my shoulder while asking, Oh, did you need something? And I saw a figure in the glass of Betsy's cat-eye-framed eyewear. I turned around to the air cast gal towering over me intently, looking down into my eyes. Her face wore suspicion as words I can still hear now fell from her mouth. Um, excuse me. But are you messing with me? I quickly looked back at Jim holding half a beer, his mouth dropped down, and Betsy nervously wiping up a spill that didn't happen. And I made a fist in my right hand under the tray, and I thought, okay, I'm in a moment here. I'll jump in and get one good punch in, and then I'll run. I answered her, no, are you messing with me? Her head fell back as she released a laugh and a relief to the whole moment. No, I am not. Do you really not know who I am? She asked. I shook my head no, and she continued. I'm the producer of that film you're going on and on about. She then stuck her hand out and introduced herself as Shay. I placed my hand in hers and shook my way into a moment dreams are made of. 
My body wasn't operating on blood at that moment, only pure adrenaline and assurance for the first time in my life. I was exactly where I was supposed to be, and I knew it. She invited me to sit down and talk at her table, and as fate would provide, there was an upcoming live mortified performance in Chicago, which is what brought her to town. I told her about my life, how I was the youngest of 12, all my adventures through the desire to be an actress, and of course, my passion for writing. The following week, I met her at a coffee shop, where I dumped a small trunk of lifelong kept journals and school hall pass notes. We stood together, each with a coffee in hand, over my life spread out in paper, while she simply but profoundly stated, let's get started finding your story. Shay was a dedicated, both-feet-in type of producer, which is why her projects grew beyond their time. She attended family parties with me to get a sense of these people in my entries. She called and wrote emails throughout the process. She is a tremendous artist and a shooting star only the artistically privileged can see. We worked together every Sunday afternoon building the perfect piece, and I read it in front of hundreds of people in the live Mortified show six weeks later. To this day, it serves as the most important time spent for me on stage as it combined my loves, acting and writing. Now, I met many friends along the way of following my dream, models, singers, dancers, and I carry the conversations and moments had as pieces of time running into the great unknown together. But mortified, and my time with Shay reminded me of why I was ever on that journey to begin with. There's nothing easy about being an artist, but I wouldn't want any other life. Tonight, I'm going to end this episode just as I began part one of it. Dear Mr. Hoffman, it has been a little over 30 years since I last wrote. In those years, I have had the pleasure of watching your cinematic mastermind take myself, as well as others, through stories and film. All the while, I have lived parallel to your career, connected to the characters you brilliantly portrayed. I could not imagine what the world would be like if you or myself had chosen any other paths than those we bravely stepped on. Your contribution to the film industry is remarkable, sir, and you are a treasure. Lastly, I would like to thank you for not responding to my first letter. For if you had, my destiny would have been derailed, denying me of the grind, hard truths, and calamities within the industry. If you had sent for me, as requested, I would not have had the same pursuit and fate of finding my own way, all of which has led me to being exactly who I say I am, an artist. I am grateful to and for you, sir. All my love, the story chaser. A few takeaways from this episode. You are exactly who you say you are. You are always where you are supposed to be. And if you love something, talk about it. Like all the time. Well, this is as good a place as any to end this episode. My name is Ruru Sig, 
and I thank you for listening to The Story Chaser. Remember, there are stories everywhere. The key is to focus in on the little memories to find the bigger moments. My promise to you is that I'll keep chasing those stories. Be well, folks, and go ahead. Have a wonderful life.